The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries, who's the author of a new book called The Art of Business Seduction, a 30-day plan to get noticed, promoted, and get ahead. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Just tell us a little bit about your background uh, before you wrote this book and why you thought it was important to write this book. Well, I won't go into the full-length story, but I used to be a stockbroker. That was how I started in life. I was an economist by training, and I decided that finance was going to be my thing. And I don't know how many people have been through what I've been through, but I suddenly woke up one morning and I realized I was in the wrong job. It was just not for me. And I got out. I got very lucky. I ended up doing some television in the United Kingdom, a bunch of TV shows that nobody ever watched. But it was a great learning curve for me. And suddenly I found myself absolutely obsessed with how people communicated. I, just like you, I used to have guests come on my TV show and I would interview them. And some of them had this incredible style, charisma, energy, and others didn't. And I started to ask myself if this is something that could be learned. Anyway, long story short, I ended up hosting and speaking at a lot of conventions all over the world and writing a couple of books. This book is my second book. And basically what I'm trying to do is bring a toolbox of communication ideas into the workplace, stuff that anyone can do straight away that can improve their chances in the world of work. What is the problem with business communication today? What, what is going wrong for people that, if they could correct it, uh, would make things a lot better? There are so many angles we could take, take with that question, but um, how about this one for starters? I think that a lot of people are so focused on what they want to say that they forget that they've got to listen. We're very, very focused on getting our message out, trying to find someone who will buy our product or our service, trying to get the next job, desperately find the source of income that obviously we all need. But what we forget is that the people who are buying offers, they have needs. They need to hear stuff. They need to see a certain, um, I guess, energy or proof point or um, what I call jealousy effect, which we can move on to later. They need to see these things before they buy. People love to buy, but they don't like to be sold at. And I think the biggest mistake that we make right now is we're doing too much selling. And what's the difference in somebody's career and success if they do more listening versus more selling? I believe fundamentally that if you listen first and you speak last, you are so much smarter because you've had time to take it on board. I, I created this, I call it the square of influence in the book, this four-point square that you use to surround your target. And your target, by the way, could be someone interviewing you for a job, could be a great new client, it could even be a partner at home. This four-point square has, has the letters L, W, A, and R around it. L stands for listen, listen, W stands for watch, A is anticipate, and R is react. If we listen really carefully, and by by listening, I mean truly understanding everything that's being said, then when we finally open our mouths, we're saying something that really matters. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you suffer at all from name amnesia? Because I do. This is where someone's been introduced to you, and within a nanosecond of them telling you their name, 
you've already forgotten their name. I think it's very common, yes. It is. It's super common. And the reason is, and it took me a while to realize this, I'm a little slow on the uptake, obviously, but we're focused so heavily on telling them our name. We're so incredibly excited about telling them our story that we're not even listening to them. We're not even listening to their name. So it's a real discipline. It's about taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm now going to listen, and I'm listening for the clues. I'm listening for any data that I can use to further my career to change how I communicate. You have in your first chapter what you call the 30-day master seduction plan overview. Yeah. We're going to get into each of the four pieces in, in more detail here. But you're saying that literally in 30 days you could kind of change your entire form of communications here and make, be more successful? I believe that. I mean, 30 days is what I would call the starting point. It's the beginning of a transformation. But it's like a diet. If you go on a diet for 30 days, you are totally going to lose weight. You're going to look better. You're going to feel slimmer. Suddenly, you're going to be fitting into clothes that have like a smaller size. You know, you get into a pair of jeans. You've always been a 36-inch waist. Suddenly, you're 34. Oh, my God, how good does that feel? But that's your first 30 days. If you stop at that point, then guaranteed the weight slowly starts creeping back on and you're back into those size 36 jeans uh, and you feel disappointed with yourself the 30-day plan is all about that boost that initial start but actually this approach to communication is something that i firmly believe we need to do uh, for the rest of our lives and by the way it's not an ordeal it's not a difficult task it's just a different way of approaching every piece of communication and it's always about putting the person in front of you ahead of yourself if you do that, then suddenly you're streets ahead of everybody else. Why don't you give us an example from your own life, Mark, of, of how you used to do it and how you've done it since and, and what a difference it made? I think, um, gosh, when I think back to my stockbroker days uh, and the early days of doing uh, television programs, it was always about me. I, I felt that I had to tell them how good I was, that I'd be great for their business. Uh, this is what I do, this is what I'm good at, and it didn't often bear great results. I remember in the stockbroking days, my market was Japan. So you picture the scene, I'm very young, I'm in London, I'm at Merrill Lynch, that was my uh, brokerage company, and I'm trying to effectively sell Japanese shares to institutions in, in London. And I'm telling them the story, I'm telling them why it's so good. The one thing I'm not doing is listening to them. The one thing I'm not doing is understanding who they are. I'm just telling the story and trying to do the sell. And you know what? I had some success, but really not very much at all. Now, I fast forward to, to now and across the last five, ten years, because I've been doing this myself for the last five or ten years, and I stop now and I take a moment to understand what's driving this person in front of me. Uh, I do a lot of keynote speaking at, at conventions. So I sit in front of the client and I ask them, what happened last time? Who did you have? How did it go? What was the best bit? What was the worst bit? I ask questions. And once I've done all of this, I can suddenly shift what I say to exactly suit what I know this person needs. And I can see their eyes light up. I can see that I'm hitting every single checkpoint on their unsaid, unspoken list. So that's what I do. That's how I've met with success using this very approach. Okay, let's start with the first, uh, the LWAR, as you call it, and the soft set skills uh, mindset. Um, and let's, I guess, start in more detail with listening and, and what people really need to do um, in listening in a way that they're, in many cases, not listening to them. You've talked about how you're kind of self-centered. You should be listening to what the other person is saying. But what are some other things people can do to listen better? Well, try a little exercise that I call put yourself in their shoes. Um, and it's basically, it's, oh my goodness, by the way, this is all common sense. And a lot of people say to me, Mark, this is such common sense. And, and I agree 100%. This is common sense. 
But as one of my clients said to me recently, uh, the one problem with common sense is it doesn't seem to be very common anymore. So basic listening is about understanding what this person in front of you is going through and trying to understand what would you do, what would you say if you were them, and how would you react if somebody said A, B, or C. So when you're listening, from now on, I want you to look at the person in front of you, and I want you to take a moment and think, okay, if I was them right now, what would I want done? What would I want to achieve? What would make me happy? What would I be worried about? What would concern me? What would excite me? All these basic questions you should be running through your mind on a loop, understanding what drives them. And by the way, a great place to start is at home. Uh, I mean, you know, you come home of an evening and your partner says to you, wow, this kind of lounge area, this kitchen area is a real mess, isn't it? They're not actually making an observation that the kitchen area is a mess. What they're really saying is, would you please tidy this up? Or, Or at least, would you please help me tidy this up? Put yourself in their shoes for a moment and you instantly see that actually what they're saying isn't specifically what they mean. Take a moment to understand their world and you suddenly become a better communicator. So listening is much more than just opening your ears. It is about understanding the context. It's about putting yourself in their world and trying to view life through their eyes. If you can do that, you instantly become a better communicator. It's just one of those things. So what you're saying is that people, in many cases, do not say exactly what they're meaning or feeling. It's too blunt. Yeah, they, they right. kind of say it in an indirect way, and you're supposed to kind of uh, get out the, the truth from what they're saying, even though it's not exactly what they're saying. Absolutely. And sometimes, I've got to say, sometimes you won't be able to get the truth out of them. You, you won't be able to actively say, all right, come on, come on, tell me what you really mean. It's not like that. Uh, it's almost like the kind of the, the wonderful world of dating. You, you have to guess when the time is right. You have to uh, understand the unspoken things. In fact, the things that are unspoken are infinitely more important than the things that are actually said. One thing that has interested me dramatically since I became a resident of the United States is that there's a difference when you go into a business meeting in the UK compared to here in the US. You go into a meeting in the UK, if they don't like your idea, if they don't like what it is you're talking about, they'll say, you know what, no, this doesn't really work for us, but hey, listen, thanks for coming in anyway. And you you kind of know where you are. Here in the US, people are so much, um, I guess, more considerate and, and uh, much nicer. They want to say something to make you happy. I'm speaking very generally, by the way. It doesn't happen every time. So you're in a meeting. You present your idea. It doesn't work for the client, but the client will still say, huh, yeah, you know what? That's interesting. Let's think about that, and, uh, and we're going to come back to you. We're going to have a conversation. That sounds really interesting. What they're actually thinking is, no, this doesn't work for us at all, but they, they won't say it. So it's really important to, at this beginning step of the L, the L war, the listen element, that what you're doing is you are truly listening. You're thinking, if I was them right now, what would I hate about this idea? How would I be turning it down? What could I hear that would make me want it more? And then do you, when you hear something, are you supposed to kind of ask for confirmation, like on the tidying up the room? Are you supposed to say back, uh, you really want me to tidy up the room, right? I mean, you kind of confirm what your, your intuition is or, or not. You shouldn't be that explicit. Yeah, you could do that, but I think, and you just hit the nail on the head there, I think that's a little bit too explicit. I think to really score points, you're going to offer it up. You're not even going to let on that you've somehow worked out that the room needs to be tidied. You're going to say something like, oh, my goodness, you're right, this room actually sucks. Why don't you take a seat? I'm going to tidy up, and then we're both going to have a drink. Just take the initiative, because it's, it's amazing what happens when you speak somebody else's mind before they've had a chance to say it, before they've had an opportunity to 
spell it out in full to you, if you can do that, you win so many points. And this works just as well in the social world as it does in the business world as well. If you can do the same thing in front of your boss, I guarantee you that boss looks at you and thinks, this is someone I need on my team. If I'm laying off people, I'm not laying off this person. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Mark Jeffries, whose new book is called The Art of Business Seduction, a 30-day plan to get noticed, promoted, and get ahead. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for the Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay because spaces are limited. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa. Where America learns to invest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries who is the author of a new book called The Art of Business Seduction. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. Good to be here. We were talking about listening. One thing that was interesting in is, is the difference in cultures, uh, say, between Europe and America or even Asia. Uh, some people are more blunt. Some people are more indirect. Uh, how does one listen when you're not getting back you know, honest feedback, I guess is what it comes to. I think of particularly with Asia, where they kind of never tell you directly uh, no. It's true. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, my market when I was a stockbroker way back was Japan. And I had to have uh, I had to deal with a lot of Japanese clients who were always incredibly polite and absolutely charming to be with. And I um, very much very much appreciate some of their customs, especially what they call their Meishi ceremony, the business card custom, which we'll, we'll come on to later. But the one difficult thing was understanding what they really meant. And I think to answer your question, it's about 
having much more, much greater depth of understanding of the person in front of you, their world, their life, and their culture. I didn't realize this when I was a broker. I would sit in front of my Japanese customers for an hour. I would explain to them that as, uh, as we here at Merrill Lynch, that was, my, that was my company, we think this is a great company to invest in. We think this is a good sector to be exposed to. The Japanese client would sit there in front of me. He'd be nodding. He'd be saying, hi, hi. Hi, and hi, I knew, was Japanese for yes. He was saying yes over and over again. Hi, hi, hi. He would be looking at me, paying full attention. He wasn't bored. He wasn't disinterested. He was saying yes all the time. And then when it came to the final moment where he would decide whether to buy or not buy my recommendation, he would always go, uh, no, thank you. And that was the end of it. He was just way too polite to tell me he wasn't interested. So, I mean, in the end, it was about, it was about understanding the culture of the person in front of you. And everybody comes from a different culture. And by the way, every industry within here in the United States has a slightly different culture as well. The software industry will react totally different to, say, the pharmaceutical industry. There are different levels of reaction. So if you're a great communicator, part of the L of our little L war square and the W is understanding the context first. You have a few um, sayings, and then you say what, what people are really meaning. I think it'd just be fun to go through some of these briefly. Uh, you're, you're saying your boss would say, the presentation needs a little extra. What does that really mean? Well, again, it's the politeness aspect. It could mean a variety of things. I mean, let's face facts. It could mean, it's unlikely, by the way, but it could mean the presentation needs a little extra work. But it's far more likely to mean this presentation sucks. It's unacceptable. It's never going to fly. Go back and do it again. And as it happens, I have to point out that the, the, uh, the boss in this example, the leader, is really doing you, the employee, a disservice. Because they should be honest. They should be upfront. There is no room, I think, in successful business for this kind of cloak and dagger, secret approach to communication where you've got to guess, second guess, and triple guess the person in front of you. How can that ever be the basis of good, successful business? However, it is. And we have to deal with it. So, yeah, when your boss says that, he's most likely saying, this is awful, go do it again. Uh, I use as an example um, the military. Can you imagine if uh, your commander before an attack says, all right, everyone, um, we might need to fire a few weapons off, maybe send over a few grenades, not sure really, but, you know, we'll just see how it shapes up. That is not an order you can work with, and people are going to lose their lives. You have to be clear. And I think in business, the boss has a duty to be clear, and we as the employees, as the contractors, as the vendors, we have a duty to truly open our ears and listen to what's going on so we can understand it. So why are people so cautious to say the truth? They don't want to offend people? or yeah. what, what is the reason why they aren't as, as direct as they should be? There are multiple reasons. Uh, I think mostly it's people don't like conflict. Uh, they, they shy away from that moment of conflict where you stand in front of someone and you say your work isn't good enough. I'm on the verge of letting you go because this simply isn't right. People are frightened to say that. And again, it's a cultural thing. Interestingly, in, uh, in the UK, people are definitely more in a uh, state of mind to say that kind of thing, to be harsh, to be truthful, um, because it, it's kind of the culture there. In um, France, for example, you can't say that anyway because no one can be fired. I'm speaking very generally, but roughly you can't lose your job there because there's a whole pile of trouble if somebody tries to fire you. Here in the U.S., it's about politeness. It's about courtesy. It's that old world niceness which pervades business as well. And I honestly think that's something that needs to change. And some, by the way, some people won't like to hear the truth, but that's uh, their own problem. 
Okay, the next one you have is your customer says, I like where you're going, but we could also use a different approach. What, what is he really saying there? It, again, it's the same thing. It's a real politeness. You've obviously put some work into this project, and me as the customer, I don't want to offend you, uh, but oh my goodness, please come up with some other ideas because this one sucks big time. That's what they're saying. I like this idea, but we could go in another direction as well. means we need to go in another direction. And as soon as you, as the recipient of this message, you hear this, uh, you need to be reacting. But actually, if I can be honest, you need to have reacted way before this moment anyway. Whenever you're going into a client or your boss with an idea, you need to have a kind of second one backed up. You need to sit there when you are practicing delivering the idea or at least running through it out loud. And you need to consider what would you do and say if the target doesn't like the idea. You've got to have something lined up ready to go. So always offer your main idea first. And if it's not liked, have a second one ready. And if that's not liked, well, you're having a bad day. What can you do? <laughs> at least you have two options. You talk about the ear-to-mouth ratio. What do you mean by that? Uh, and it's funny. I remember my, my teachers telling me this one. Isn't it? Uh, very occasionally, a teacher will tell you something that lives with you for the rest of your life. We have two ears. We have one mouth. We need, for successful business, we need to use them in that ratio. We need to listen twice as hard. Uh, we need to listen for twice as long as we speak. People reveal so much about themselves with their words. It's amazing. And I'm always stunned at how little people listen. You know, sometimes you'll tell a story about a nightmare weekend you've had. You're really looking for some empathy. You want someone to go, oh, that must have been awful. But typically what people do is they jump on and go, well, let me tell you about my weekend. And it's almost like a game of, uh, of one-upmanship. Listening before you speak allows you to develop your thoughts to match the needs of the person in front of you. That the whole beauty of what I call soft skills or strategic communication is about watching and listening to what happens in front of you and then adjusting what you do to directly suit your target. And then you become more successful. And by the way, these are really small differences. Uh, I, I look at them um, as, as a, when I do my keynote speeches to these big audiences, I talk about the finely balanced scales. All of us in life are on these very finely balanced scientific scales. You don't have to do much to swing it in your favor. And sometimes that extra bit of listening, using that correct ratio, two ears, one mouth, listen twice as long, will allow you to tilt the scales in your favor just enough to beat everyone else. You also have what you call NPM, nods per minute. How, is, how are you supposed to uh, judge that and what that means? Well, nods per minute is something that I created as a way to both read and also influence people around you. So we'll start with reading. If you are sat in front of your boss or in front of a coworker or a great client and you're sharing one of your ideas, you should be looking for approximately seven or eight nods per minute. In other words, they should be nodding about seven or eight times in a minute. I mean, don't sit there and time and count it, but yeah, you can roughly guess. The nodding is a great signal. It doesn't mean, by the way, they're about to buy off you. It doesn't mean, for example, that they are agreeing with you. What it means is very simply they can see you're speaking. They're happy for you to continue speaking. That is a great signal. Keep on going. Now, if you, as a great practitioner of soft skills, if you observe that the nodding has stopped, then what you want to do is change subject. You don't want to keep beating that dead horse and keep going on and on about the subject. If their nodding has stopped and has been replaced by a kind of glassy-eyed stare, what it means is we don't like this anymore. Time to move on. We're no longer into this. We're not nodding anymore. We're not giving you a sign of approval. Please change subject. Now, as a great observer, you do that. That's how to read nods per minute. But interestingly enough, 
nodding is a very contagious thing. It's contagious positivity. And if you start nodding yourself at a great moment of your own personal cell, you're trying to explain why you need a pay rise, why you need this new contract, whatever it might be. If you nod at that key point, you'll notice the people in front of you will nod too. It's a very, very contagious action. So if you want to pay rise, what you want to do is say, uh, so this time next year, I think I should be on $100,000 and you should be nodding at that time. You'll see your boss nod as well. By then, of course, it's too late because then he'll try and turn you down. But you saw him nodding and that's a contract. <laughs> and then you talk about empathy being the, the final part of, of listening. How does one empathize to get ending what you want? I think uh, it is always down to the intensity of your listening skills. If someone's telling you a story, if they're explaining a personal feeling, uh, an emotional reaction, oh my goodness, at least spare a couple of seconds to empathize with them. Remember, people buy people. It's a very old saying, but it's absolutely true. And people want to buy people they like. If you empathize with them after they've just told you a story about their awful week or their dreadful boss or their nightmare target, if you at least spend the time to go, oh, that must be terrible. I would hate that. I don't even know what I'd do in that position then you win a few points. If you listen to the whole story and go, right, okay, well, let's move on to what we're talking about this morning. You, you win no points at all. Spend the time to show people you care. It is basic common sense, and suddenly you're a few steps ahead, and the scales tilt in your favor. Very good. Before we go on, I just want to have people find out about your website and, and what they can find out about at your website and give them your address. Yes, the website is, the W's, obviously, markjeffries.com. And that's M-A-R-K-J-E-F-F-R-I-E-S.com. If you go to markjeffries.com, there's a bunch of information there. There's links to the books which I've published, and you know about uh, The Art of Business Seduction. There's also What's Up With Your Handshake, that's a great book. Uh, but more than that, there's a whole bunch of free video clips taken from my keynote speeches, and they are I think, and I'm told by my clients, they're fun to watch, but most importantly, there are tools you can use straight away, and you can just click on them and watch and enjoy. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries. Uh, his book is called The Art of Business Seduction, a 30-day plan to get noticed, get promoted, and get ahead. Uh, again, his website is markjeffries.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for The Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com or call 800-707-1634. 
That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries. Uh, His new book is called The Art of Business Seduction. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. Great to be here still. We've talked about uh, listening. Now let's talk about watching. Uh, what are some of the things that people should do when they're interacting with somebody else to watch what kind of reaction they're getting? So the watching element of, of my approach to communication is part of this big square, the L war. It starts with listening, then it's watching, then it's anticipating and reacting. So the watching element is, again, a great discipline in turning you into a much more effective communicator. Because what we're trying to do with this book, The Art of Business Seduction, is we're trying to seduce people into wanting to work with us. We want them to look at us and think, this is someone I want on my team. And a great way of doing that is to to display at every turn that you understand the person in front of you. You understand your target. So listening is a hugely important element, but so is watching as well. What do people do? Uh, What does their body language tell you? Uh, What can you observe from things like their eye movements or the way they sit down or the way they shake your hand? These are all the things for you to watch and interpret. Now, in the end, people often ask me at the keynote speeches I do, they go, well, what happens if, you know, the guy stands in front of me and bores me to death or he won't leave me alone? None of that matters. All that matters is you're observing what counts for the other person then you change your approach and your entire attitude to suit that other person. So the most important part of W, which is watch, is taking that moment to really observe. It's almost like you're a a radar monitoring station. You're there at a distance watching what's happening, coming to very smart conclusions on what it means, and then adjusting what you say to suit uh, the scenario that unfolds. What are some of the positive signs uh, that you're watching that they're getting what you're saying, is it's going well, right. and then what are some of the negative signs? Um, I'm always fascinated by how people sit at meetings. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, Jordan, but the, uh, a lot of companies have meetings that go on and on forever. Some people have meetings about meetings, which to me is almost insane, but they do. Now, the way people choose to sit down in a meeting it says a great deal about them. You know, you walk into a meeting room and you observe everybody around that table. Everyone is telling you just from their body language, who they are, what drives them, what they want to hear, and what matters to them. So one thing to look out for is the alpha male or the alpha female. And this is very easily spotted simply by the way they sit. The more senior somebody thinks they are, or, and this is important, by the way, the more arrogant they are, and there's sometimes a very fine line there, the further back they sit in their chair. You'll notice that the most senior people in a meeting, or those who believe themselves to be most senior, will sit way back in the chair. They treat the chair like it's a sun lounger. They put their hands behind their head, their legs are crossed, they're relaxed. It's it's like they're on a beach. These people are displaying 
almost like monkeys in the jungle. They're, they're displaying the fact that they are the alpha. They can't go any higher up the chain because they're already at the top. So how do they tell the whole assembled meeting this fact? By leaning back. Because frankly, this is the rudest thing you can do in a meeting. They're doing it because nobody can kick them out because they're number one. This is the alpha male or the alpha female. So what you want to do in response to this is at least direct a lot of your ideas or thoughts to them, but not comprehensively and only to them. You still have to spread the what I call the lighthouse of eye contact. Make sure in that meeting you're reaching everybody. But because you are smart and you've seen the person sitting in that position, you know who most likely the decision maker is and you need to win them over. And what are the positive signs that you're starting to win them over? Well, the previously mentioned NPM, the nods per minute, if you start seeing the nods, you're ahead. If they start taking notes, you are ahead. And most importantly, if they suddenly sit forward and join the meeting, because by the way, that's what sitting forward represents. You are joining the meeting. You are way ahead. And you'll notice that the other people around that table will subconsciously have seen that sitting forward signal, and they'll also be nodding as well, and suddenly you've got a deal. And what are some of the negative things that shows, if you're watching, that you're not getting through, it's not going well? Uh, almost the opposite of, of what I just went through there. So they're not nodding that much. They're kind of staring. They have a blank piece of notepaper in front of them. They've written nothing down. You start to notice that their eye contact is wandering and they're becoming a little bored. They surreptitiously suddenly start checking their BlackBerry under the table. You can see them doing it. Uh, one or two people around the table try to very um, secretly check their watch. But again, you've spotted them doing this. All these signals are that you've lost the group. You've lost the crowd. What do you do? Well, the one thing you don't do is carry on. You stop. You change subject, you hand over control to somebody else. These are the things you have to do. Now, these are really small changes. And by the way, this is all absolute common sense. I know that some of your listeners will be sitting there going, well, I know this. And, and you're right. We all know this. But sometimes you have to make that conscious decision to watch for it, to be much more aware of those signals and adjust what you do to suit them. Uh, you, you talk about extremes that skew the data. What do you mean by that? Well, there'll occasionally be, uh, let's talk about the person sitting back. There'll occasionally be someone who is um, not in charge and they're sitting way back. And that, that's an extreme that skews the data because they have mistakenly decided this meeting doesn't matter to them and they're displaying that by sitting back. Now, you could observe that and think, wait, now I'm confused. Is this the person in charge or is it not? And so whenever extremes occur, you have to constantly be looking for the rest of information. If nobody else responds to that person sitting back, and this is just one example I'm using, if no one's looking their way or agreeing with them a lot, then maybe that isn't the person in charge after all. So there are some basics to look out for. Um, for example, you're at a conference of some sort, and you're talking to somebody, and they very slowly cross their arms while you're talking to them. On the whole, this means they've had enough of you, and it's time for you to let them go. And by the way, if you let people go first, you win big points. However, the extreme of this particular piece of data is that, and especially if this person's female, this happens more often with females, is they might be cold. In the conference room, there's air conditioning blowing. They might have suddenly got a chill. They hug themselves to actually uh, become a little warmer. And so you, again, have to look at the full context. You're both listening to the words, but most importantly, you're watching. You're understanding the full context of what's unfolding in front of you, and you're constantly making judgments. You're constantly adjusting your approach to suit the person directly in front of you. Okay, well, after you've been watching, the next uh, segment is uh, talking about anticipating and reacting. So yeah. you've listened, you've watched. 
what are some ways that you can anticipate and react that are going to get you ahead? So now it's basically you're putting everything together and you know that you have a message to transmit. That message may be that you're worth more money or maybe that message is that this particular company needs your service more than the other guy's service because you are better. But now you've got all this information. You've listened to everything they've said, but you've truly listened. You've been in their shoes. You've understood what drives them. Uh, you've looked at them. You've seen if they're displaying the fact that perhaps they're interested with their nods per minute. Um, they're sitting forward or back. They're sitting through the notional curtain of air which exists at the edge of every table. Are they in the meeting? Are they out of the meeting? Are they nodding to each other, proving that you are saying something they've already been discussing? All the signals then form this kind of very, very large data picture for you. And now it's time to anticipate and react. So the anticipate phase is actually really short. It's simply about, once again, going back to being in their shoes. If you were them right now, Everything that, that has happened is, uh, is out there on the table. What would you want to hear? What would you anticipate they would want to hear and see right now? And that's when you react. So, for example, let's say you're delivering a service and they've bought this service in the past from other companies, but through your clever listening and smart observation, you've deduced that they always felt it was too expensive. Then now in the anticipate and the react phase, you want to start selling what you do with an eye on cost. You want to adjust your wording, not to reveal that you know they're conscious of cost, not at all, but in fact to do it slightly differently. You would say something like, okay, so our service is to make the attendees of your conference very happy, but what's most important to us is that our customers get value for money. Budgets are tight nowadays, so what we have is a very special arrangement where we do A, B, C, and D with a cost lid on. Now, you're not saying, I've noticed that you guys are really concerned about cost, you're not saying, I can see that your budgets are very limited. You're simply saying that as a matter of course in our business, we like to keep the lid on cost. We understand that budgets are tight. Now, when you take this approach, you are guaranteed to get a positive response from your target because they're sitting there and they're thinking, wow, these guys are exactly who we're after. These guys understand us. It's like they already work for us. And that's part of the anticipate and the react phase. So By the way, with the anticipating, is you're asking them questions as well. To all make the sure way that through. Yeah. And in fact, and I was just about to add, uh, you're right, questions drive a huge amount of the data that you are gathering. Good, solid questions that don't sound like an interrogation, but do sound like a conversation. But before you go into any meeting, whether it's with your boss or a potential client, you want to be online. You want to Google and Bing them. You want to search out not just what's happening in their company, but what's happening in their industry. And the more you know about that industry, the more you sound like one of them. And this is part of the anticipate phase. You're anticipating the sort of person they would want to buy. And by the way, we're all in sales. Whether you like it or you're not, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, if you're in marketing, if you're an IT developer, if, you are, uh, if you're going in with a product that you want them to enjoy and, and use, we're all in sales. We sell ourselves, we sell our ideas. So you're anticipating what they would need by doing the research. And you Google their industry, you see what's driving it. Is there a change? Are there some innovations coming up? Be on top of it and be aware. And in fact, the more you can prove that you understand their world, the more you can use the language that they would use and refer to the people moving around and about in their industry, the more they instantly believe that you are the right people to do business with. You sound like one of them. It, it almost is similar to the people that we actually um, hang out with on Saturday nights. We, we spend time with our friends, people like us. And we do that because we feel comfortable with them. So in business, part of the anticipate and the react phase is about anticipating what would their, uh, 
most ideal partners sound like? What would they look like? Who would they be? And then you need to act the part. So once you've anticipated, then you're saying you need to react based on what you've anticipated to kind of close the deal. Is that the way yeah, it works? Yeah. Now, it, exactly. It, does, it comes down to closing the deal. And sometimes it comes to actually asking for the business. But not always. I'm a real believer in the relationship being something that matters more than the deal itself. Because the relationship, if strong enough, will lead to the deal. I have many occasions in, in my own life, and you know, you know what I do. I'm a keynote speaker. I host conventions. I do a lot of executive coaching. And I, and I operate at quite a high level. There will be times where I will have worked very closely with a company, will be working towards an event of some sort, and right at the last minute, they decide they don't need a speaker. They don't need a host. And I don't get the, the engagement. Now, part of me wants to burst into tears and go, well, that's a nightmare. I spent all this time with you, and what a waste of time, and oh, my God, what am I going to do now? But, of course, that's only a very small part. What I really value is that we've built some relationship. I learned more about them. I know what drives them now. And next time there's an opportunity, and of course there's always another time, that's when I'll get the engagement. And so part of the anticipate and react phase is about knowing that it's not always closing the deal. It's, it's ensuring the relationship is set. There's a nice check next to the relationship box. Here's someone that now trusts you. And this leads me on to a nice little tool that I like to use from time to time, which I call the email time machine. Very often, uh, we will forget deals that go by the wayside. We'll forget times where we were told no, and we let them just disappear into our memories. We mustn't do this. What you want to do is go to your inbox at least every month and go back through time, about six or seven months, and spin back through using your little cursor all the way down to whatever six or seven months ago was, and have a look at the emails that were floating around at that time. I guarantee you'll go, oh my goodness, I forgot about them. I totally forgot about that deal. I wonder what they're up to now. And then it's your, absolutely your duty to reach out and put yourself back on their radar. If you do this, what you're doing is you're making life easy for them. They're too embarrassed to reach out to you after all this time, but you, using your email time machine, you reach out, you put yourself on their mind and guarantees you get a little response and things start up again. Sometimes the react phase takes six months. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries. His book is called The Art of Business Seduction, a 30-day plan to get noticed, promoted, and get ahead. His website is markjeffries.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jordan Goodman, host of The Money Answer Show. I cordially invite you to join me and some of my favorite investing experts for The Money Answers Investing Cruise from February 12th through February 19th, 2011, on board Holland America's luxurious MS Eurodam. In this volatile investing environment, good advice is more important than ever, and this exclusive Caribbean cruise offers not only fun, but also a full week of highly informative events with me and other top investing experts like Ray Lucia and Charles Payne from Fox News Network. During seminars, panel discussions, and Q&As, at cocktail parties and at dinners, we will discuss current market conditions and the best places for your investment dollars. Meanwhile, luxuriate in the amenities of Holland America's newest ship and visit some of the best ports for shopping, sightseeing, and sunning. For more information, go to www.moneyanswerscruise.com 
or call 800-707-1634. That's 800-707-1634. And don't delay, because spaces are limited. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Jeffries. Uh, His new book is called The Art of Business Seduction. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. Before we go to the last section, you you do have an application uh, that people can download I'd like you to tell people about. Yes, absolutely. It's an, uh, an iPhone or an iPad or an iTouch app. It's free of charge. So for anyone with an iDevice, all you do is you go to the App Store and search for my name, and that's Mark Jeffries, and it'll come up straight away. It's basically 40 cool ideas to increase your business influence. And these are ideas taken from my big keynote speeches and from my books, and they're in like little short reminder cards. So let's say you've got a big meeting coming up or a pitch of some sort. Open the app. Look at about five or six idea cards, get some incentive and motivation going, and you'll perform that much better in your meeting. And it's free of charge, and uh, I love people to have a look and a play. Very good. Now, you have a whole section in your book on networking secrets and what you call the three R's. Why don't you go with what the first R might be? All right. The three R's of networking or the three R's of relationship building. When we're all out and about um, building our network, and by the way, I have to say this, we, we absolutely have an obligation to build our networks, as uncomfortable as it might be, as time-consuming as it might be. And the reason is the amount of people who know who you are, know what you do, and know how good you are at it, that is your personal brand. That is your network. And it's incredibly important. It travels with you from job to job, from engagement to engagement, from country to country. Your network is crucial. And this is a living and breathing entity. You've got to keep feeding it. You've got to keep growing it. So one great way to grow it is with the three R's of connecting, or the three R's of networking. Let's say you've been out at an event, maybe a conference or a meeting within the, the workplace, and you've met somebody new. Now, the sad reality is within a week of you meeting them, they're going to forget you. It just, it just happens like that. So what you have to do is ensure that you put yourself on their radar within a week. There's the first R, radar. The second R stands for recall, and the third R stands for reward. So it's radar, recall, reward. So within a week of meeting this person, let's say their name is John, you're going to write to them an email. Dear John, it was great to meet you at insert event name here. Make sure you remind them where it was because they might have forgotten. Despite how brilliant we know we all are, other people will forget us. So dear John, great to meet you at insert event name here. I remembered what you said. Now here's the recall bit. People absolutely love it when you can remember what they said and repeat it back to them at a future date. I'm not quite sure the psychology behind it, I could guess, but what I know for a fact is that everyone loves it when their words are important enough to be remembered. So the second R is recall. And if you can remember something they said that was emotional rather than about business, you really score points. 
If you remember that their profits were up 0.3 of a percent this last quarter, eh, that's okay. But nowhere near as good as if you remember that they love sushi restaurants. So you go, dear John, great to meet you at this place. I remember that you said you love sushi restaurants. And here comes the third R, reward. So I'm attaching a link to a very cool website that reveals all the sushi restaurants opening up in your area. I thought you'd find it useful. All the best, Mark. Now, the beauty of this email is that you are deploying the three R's. You are not selling anything. You're not buying anything. You're not asking for anything. You're simply putting yourself on the radar, remembering something they said, and you're giving them a little reward, which at some point in the future is going to earn you a bit of payback. I call this a payback credit or the rule of reciprocity. And that's a great way to build your network. And the network is something that must always grow. So uh, in, in, say you're in a party or some kind of an area where you're meeting people or at a convention of some kind, what are some of the things you can do uh, to connect with people that you don't know that you might potentially have an interest with that, that in your networking uh, efforts? Well, some of it's random and it's potluck, obviously. I mean, the, the, the number one thing is you've got to put yourself out of your comfort zone. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't like networking, and oh, it's very unpleasant, and, and I totally buy that. Other people will say, oh, I'm not very good at networking because I, uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, and I don't buy that because you've got to make the effort to go and speak to somebody with whom you've had no contact before. Uh, only through doing that can you actually build your own personal network. And those connections, those people who know you are your key to success. In fact, they're your extended sales team. And you know that the word of a friend to a colleague is far more powerful than a resume will ever be. So put yourself out of your comfort zone. One great tool that I like to use is I call it the sidle up and the eavesdrop. Okay, so here you are. You're, you're at some type of event. You're on your own. You've got a drink in your hand. Uh, what you want to do is position yourself close enough to a group of people that you can hear what they're saying. Now, I will grant you that the sidle up and eavesdrop approach might make you look a bit like a stalker. So it's very important to deploy this with some type of um, etiquette and charisma. But basically, you're close enough to listen to what's going on. As soon as you hear any element of conversation or debate that you can join in on, just interrupt politely. Let's say they're having an argument about interest rates. There's four of them. Two of them think rates have got to go up. The other two think rates must come down. Perfect. So you, you butt in and you say, I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt. And I just, I overheard what you guys were saying. I have to agree with you, point at one of them. I think interest rates have to stay down. If they, if they go up now, this economy will go back down into recession. Just join the conversation. It actually doesn't matter what you say. And it doesn't matter which side uh, you agree with. All that matters is that you're joining an ongoing conversation. And nine times out of ten, this group will look at you and go, huh, yeah, exactly. Or, oh, my goodness, are you mad? They'll, they'll allow you to join the conversation. Now, if they happen to be a very rude and impolite group and tell you to get lost, well, pretend you got a message on your BlackBerry and just walk away. Indeed. Uh, once you're doing this a lot, you say it's important to grow your network. Do some people just kind of stay with their familiar network and not really want to venture out beyond that? Absolutely. And you see this at, I spend my life at conferences and events all over the world. You'll see a group of people will have come as a group. They stand there together as a group and they leave as a group. Yes. And honestly, although that's fun and I'm sure they have nice time together, they're already part of each other's network. So no one has grown. And if you are going to go out and make the effort to build your network, build the amount of people who you know, you've got to do it alone. If you go on your own, you will find the courage to go and make those new connections. By the way, here's another tip. If someone hands you a business card, this is a golden opportunity to show what a great person you are to do business with. 
If you take that business card and just put it right back in your pocket, you're losing points just like that. That business card doesn't just represent information that is of value. It represents that person's entire working life so far. When they give you a card, what they're really saying is, I left school, I got my first job, my second job, my third job, then a pay rise, then a promotion, then I became a vice president, then I became an even more senior executive, and now I'm president of this company. What do you think? And you grab their card and just put it in your pocket, you know, whatever. It means nothing. So now take the time to look at that business card, like our Japanese friends do with the Meishi ceremony. At least spend time looking at the card for a moment. Make a comment about it. Why? Because people love it when you refer to their accomplishments, when you at least take a moment to say, huh, this is a very smart card, or, oh, I didn't realize you were vice president. Making a comment earns you points just like that. This is what you talk about, uh, turning paper into gold as far as the business cards? Absolutely, yeah. Business card alchemy. Because, yes, the data is important, and, yes, you must add it to, to your uh, network, and you must reach out to them within a week using the three R's of, uh, of networking. But at the same time, when they do give you that piece of information, they're also aware that you might completely spam them with unnecessary information. They are taking a bet on you, so thank them for it. That card is valuable. I've often compared it to uh, when your kid comes home with some art they've created in school. And it's a really awful drawing, but, you know, they're very proud of it. And you look at it and you go, oh, well done. And you put it up on the refrigerator for a couple of weeks. You do that to make your child feel good. Well, the business card's very similar. You want to take that card and you don't want to say, well done, this is a very good card. You just want to, you want to acknowledge that it means something to you. You'd never throw the, uh, your child's art straight in the trash in front of his eyes, so never take the business card and put it straight into your pocket without looking at it. Uh, you talk about your network's network. Once you've done this, how do you kind of bring in the, uh, the payback? You've, you've done all these nice things you've talked about. How, how do you bring it home in the end? Yes, doing, uh, going above and beyond and delivering things to people they weren't expecting earns you these payback credits. And as a result of this effort, as a result of going that little bit further than, than people anticipated or expecting, what tends to happen is people are then in a position to desire helping you out. They want to assist you. And there comes a time where it's perfectly acceptable to ask for a favor. Now, you don't get many of these favors, so you've got to use them very sparingly. It's like those stories, those old um, fairy tales where somebody got three wishes. You probably get three attempts at, at basically using people to your own advantage. That's what you're doing. But you're not manipulating. You're asking for a favor. And you've earned your favors in advance by going out of your way to help them, to connect them, to do favors for them. I call this the rule of payback. Once you've done all of that, it's your turn. And if you need something, like you want to get the word out about a new product you've got, or you need some... Um, ideas for a new employee you might want to take on, or perhaps you want a new job. This is the time where you get your payback credits and you send an email out to everyone and you, you never appear desperate, you never appear begging, you always make it sound like you're asking for advice, for guidance, for information. And you'll notice that these people will then speak up on your behalf. They'll go, hey, you know what, Jordan, don't worry about it. I'm going to call a friend of mine. He knows somebody who can help you. And that referral, that, that testimonial from within the network is worth a 1,000 resumes any day. So your network, in many ways, becomes your extended sales team. As we close, uh, there's lots more you talk about in the book. You talk about the elevator pitch and uh, the etiquette of technology and other things we're not going to have time to get to. Why don't you just give a kind of summary of uh, what a difference it can make in people's financial lives to do things the right way, or seducing people, as you say, as opposed to doing it the way they normally are doing it. 
Um, the art of business seduction, it's a lifestyle. It is about having people want you, want you on the team, want to connect you to others, want to bring you information. And the only way you can have them want to do this for you is to win them over first. So it's about being professional, yes. It's about being a business person, but it's also about fully understanding them. Always remembering that we sit on this very carefully balanced set of scales. And every time, every time we've listened carefully, we've watched thoroughly, we've anticipated and we've reacted, we say the right thing, we do the right thing, we deliver in advance, those scales tilt in our favor. Imagine doing that every single day. Suddenly you've got 100 people in your network who all love you. You've seduced all of them. They'll do anything for you. They'll bring you the opportunities. They'll lead you to financial success. Everything I do and talk about in the book and in my big keynote speeches is about financial success because we're in business. And business is not about being ruthless entirely. It's about understanding people, telling them what they want to hear so that we can get our own way. Sounds very good. Well, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Mark Jeffries. His new book is called The Art of Business Seduction, a 30-day plan to get noticed, get promoted, and get ahead. His website is markjeffries.com. People take your advice. I think they'll do much better than they're doing today. Thanks so much for being on the show, Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. And we'll be back again with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.